0: If your child has a diagnosis or a challenge, um, life challenge, physical challenge, behavior, emotional challenge, uh, and if you or if you are pursuing a diagnosis or have a diagnosis, um, and you really want to help them, listen to this podcast. <laughs> That's all I am going to say. That's your intro. Listen to this podcast. See you on the flip side. Welcome to the Family Health Revolution Podcast with Coach Carla Atherton, where she discovers, uncovers, explores, and reveals the secrets to true family health and wellness. Before we begin the podcast, I just want to tell you about a gadget that has been brought to us by Ken Cedar at the Science of Light. And this gadget has brought light, balanced brains, elevated states of emotion, and overall wellness to many people's lives. And it's called the Soul Shine Phytovites Light. So I have a couple questions for you. Did you know that light is an essential nutrient? And did you know that lack of light or the wrong light or the right light at the wrong time of day, what Ken Cedar and John Ott call mal-illumination, can discombobulate the hormonal and neurochemical systems of the body, resulting in symptoms some would diagnose as seasonal affective disorder, sleep problems, ADHD, obesity, learning and focus struggles, depression, and anxiety. The number one way to receive light nutrition is to get out into the sunshine, of course. But if you can't get outside enough, or if your days are short like winters here in Saskatchewan, or if you need extra light healing, give the Soul Shine Phytovites a go. I highly recommend them. This light got us through some pretty long winters and days at the computer. So you just plug it in and point it towards your face for a few minutes a day. It's super bright, like a starship from space at first, but you totally get used to it and learn to crave the effects. So do check out my interview with Ken Cedar of the Science of Light for an in-depth interview about illumination and where you can be inspired by Ken's heart, his wisdom, his dedication to the health of our children, and check out the lights on their website. Ken has given my community a generous $50 off with the promo code at HFF. Both links are in the show notes, so check it out. One of the most important messages, I think, in all of my work is having people not only hear, like as in with the eardrum, <laughs> this um, this truth that when we have symptoms or dis-ease or that can be interpreted by people with a certain set of criteria as a diagnosis and then followed up by a prognosis as to what is going to happen for you or could happen for you or is inevitable or is something we want to prevent. Um, We can hear that with our eardrums, that my message, that really there is nothing wrong with us, that when we have... A symptom or a sensation or a reaction or um, something that's exhibiting even physically that's uncomfortable. Like let's say the diagnosis is ADHD, the diagnosis is autism, the diagnosis is cancer even. The diagnosis is learning disabilities, it's PANDAS, PANS, AE, it's um, mold illness, it's Lyme disease, it's COVID, right? All of those things are not diseases, they are states of dis-ease where the body is telling us to go deeper, find out what's going on, and that those things can be addressed. So I'm not going to get into all of that stuff, but what I want to really emphasize here is that we are not broken or uh, our bodies aren't turning on us. We're not helpless in these situations. Um, We don't even have anything. What is happening is that our bodies, minds, psyches are adapting to something we've encountered in our environment. So really listen to that. Hear that. Listen. Not just listen with your ears, but I want you to hear and listen with your heart, with your ears with an open mind, with actually understanding what I'm saying. So we're not broken. We are adapting. And adaptation is the brilliance of the body to make sure or ensure the survival, its survival, that it thrives, that it lives to see another day. And when the environment is not conducive to that, It will adapt and symptoms will appear as either indication that, um, there's something not right in the environment that needs to change. And that could be all kinds of environments that again, we're not going to go into today. It could be that it is in the state of healing at this very moment, right? It's actually part of the healing process. That's what inflammation is and a fever that's why we don't want to suppress either one unless it's getting away on us and our bodies can't handle it. And that's when we slow it down. But we, we, still, um, we still let that move, let that process take place. So we slow it down if it's overwhelming us, but we understand that there's something underlying in the environment that we uh, need to address. And again, environment doesn't just mean with things around us in the physical sense, which it does. That's, that's just, there's an and here, though. It's a both and. And it's also in the emotional body. And it's um, in, you know, what we could consider maybe traumatic events or relationship or um, in the energetic field, in the emotional body, in, you know, how we feel about our lives, even. They manifest as physical symptoms. Look here. Look here. Okay, so the same thing's happening with our children. And this is the point of why I'm unpacking that a little bit at the beginning of this session. Because when we are parenting or caring for children, um, and we are in the systems that we can be in in our Especially Western culture, but really a lot all over the world. And we uh, think that, you know, a child who is exhibiting symptoms or certain behaviors, let's say they're acting out uh, when they're supposed to be going to school and they're supposed to be a good boy or a bad, bad, or not bad, <laughs> good boy, good girl, good person, um, they're supposed to fit in, they're supposed to comply. They're supposed to um, cooperate. They're not supposed to have feelings that are big, that are like things such as anger or frustration. They're not supposed to explode, right? And we don't we don't want that to get to that point. And what I'm here to say is, it doesn't need to get to that point. Where they're supposed to learn a certain way, right? We're we're putting them in all these boxes, all these and checklists and. Um, If you don't, if you go through an assessment and and you fail, either fail the test or pass it to get you a diagnosis or a category to explain, um, to attempt to explain perhaps symptoms that are clustered into a diagnosis of ADHD or a learning disability or autism, needing some kind of supports that are outside of the general population of, of the kids in that class or in that social situation, on that sports team, in that family group, whatever whatever they're being measured um, up against, right? Whatever they're measured up against. Those are the criteria by which our children are supposed to behave and exist or there's something wrong, right? And not, And what we tend to do is look at Uh, or assert the fact the, the idea, it's not a fact in any way, it's actually a fallacy that there's something wrong with the child instead of realizing that it's the environment that the child is attempting to adapt to I want I really want that to hit home there's nothing wrong with our children what is problematic is the environment in which they're living. So we're trying to stuff them into this very limited tiny box of what has been defined as normal, what has defi- been defined as acceptable, what has been defined as... Um, I don't even think the word is desirable. I think the word would be safe, actually. It's not even something we necessarily want, but keeps us safe. And um, we've talked about that quite a bit throughout, and we're going to keep talking about that over and over again in different ways and applying it to different situations uh, throughout, you know, the life of this podcast. But we're trying what we're doing um, in an attempt to keep our children safe, or for us to feel they're safe, even though we don't really think they are, even though we say the system isn't working well for my child, I don't have enough supports, I don't have this, I don't have that, and we're looking outside, looking outside for what we need for our kids because we've been told that that's where we need to fit in, so that's where we need to find the supports. But if we stop and see them and stop and look at the environment that we're trying to stuff them into and assimilate them to and um, have them comply with. It is no wonder that there's pushback, that there are these new diagnoses of, you know, oppositional defiance disorder that there, and I'm not saying that there is any excuse for violence, but there we are seeing an escalation of violence. We're seeing our children being medicated for very, um, brilliant and, I would say, um, natural adaptations to an unhealthy society with really rotten ideas about what it, what it means to be human, what is acceptable as humanity. And so we have volatility, and we have things like, the way I say it come, comes out sideways, we have depression. We have high discontent. We have um, bullying, which is, you know, obviously in the category of violence. We have um, kids just kind of disappearing or or rebelling in their own ways. We have, um are not communicating with each other or with um, the people that are supposed to be their mentors and stewards. And we have to create all of these false... Um, I suppose, supports, not false, that we have these supports in place of what we could have if there's this open understanding that what they're experiencing is totally normal and natural. And what needs to change is the environment. So we're putting on these band-aids and we have all these people struggling within the system to support these kids and they see That they need things like groundedness and meditation and better diets. And, you know, their home lives might be, you know, really difficult. And, you know, there are all these people trying to work within that are trying to support these kids. And even then, sometimes the belief can be that there's something wrong with them. Right? Even when we're loving them. Even though, you know, we're saying, well, even though there's something wrong with you, we can fix this, kiddo. And that's, that's a noble uh, quest. It's just a little off the mark and can give these kids the idea, the fal- false idea that, again, there's something wrong with them when they are adapting to an abnormal situation. Gabor Maté says this about trauma, that trauma is a, an adaptation to an abnormal situation and i just i mean I, I apply that to everything relating to um ease it's an adaptation to an abnormal or not just abnormal but difficult undesirable maybe sometimes poisonous um situation so let's let's talk just like a couple minutes before i wrap up about what i mean by um well, and not just the situation, but also the society, like an abnormal or, or sick society. It's not the child who's sick, it's the environment, the, the, the uh, society. And so it could be things like, you know, um, really poor diet, uh, a diet full of chemicals, bags, boxes, cans, Franken food. right, in that category, in the category of sleep, right? Like they're, you know, perhaps that kid is not getting enough sleep. Maybe they're up like all night on video games, which is highly hyper stimulating for the brain. And the brain needs a break. The brain needs time to rest. The brain needs time for, um, you know, sleep where the glymphatic system can kick in and clean out all the debris. Um, and the nervous system, right? Is discombobulated, when there's high stress and uh no sleep, no rest, right so when we're highly scheduled right when um there's no and so I, I'm gonna go back to the food right so there's fruit loops and you know Cheerios and um all of those breakfast foods like just toast with no protein to slow it down any of the sugar um, there's lots of chemicals and just a shit diet. Let's just put it that way. No nutrients. I mean, we need fuel, right? The bodies need fuel and we can't just expect our children to be happy well and with tons of energy and learning and engaged in life when they don't even have the right nutrients to run the very basic needs of their bodies. And then so again, we, I said sleep, um, rest as well is just time to be not being overscheduled, not being rushed from here to there, not doing things they don't actually want to do. Mom and Dad wants them to, to do it. or It's convenient for them to be in this place at this time. Or we think that they need this kind of support so they're in some kind of special math program when really they just could really solve that by movement, functional movement, brachiating, skipping, hopping, jumping, joy. You know, like all of these things actually um, allow the brain to operate optimally um so we're putting all of these uh our kids in these unnatural ways of living and expect them to be able to function naturally so again okay so I've said sleep you know diet a rest time to be to create to do things they want to do to draw to paint to um just be hang out their their friends um and the rest also is to just be with themselves, to contemplate. Um, have you heard kids say nowadays, because they're so inundated with information and inputs, and it's just hyper overwhelming and overstimulating, and they have meltdowns. And Have you ever heard them say, like, I'm bored? So they're wavering, they're going flip-flopping between, I'm so overstimulated, I'm having a meltdown. And they don't say this, they just have the meltdown. They misbehave, right? Well, what's, where's this behavior coming from? They misbehave. They act out. They start, you know, biting other kids at school, <laughs> you know, like in daycare or something. Um, this is because they're overwhelmed. And they need to stop and they need to be given a book or a or a breathing technique or, or taught how to tap, you know? Taught how to, to self-regulate in a healthy way, not where they're abandoned and, and said, you know, you're bad, you're going to go in the corner, Tell you settle down or, you know, we can extract ourselves, but that's a choice they make. And that's a choice they can recognize for themselves rather than being a punch- punishment. We're going to extract ourselves and, or before it happens, I f- I'm feeling like I need a break. I'm feeling like I need some time to just get centered and it's too much for me. I need to leave right now and um, just be outside with the cats. or take my dog for a walk. I need to go to the park a little bit with my friends and let out some of this energy i need to there's so many things um that those kids need that they're not getting and so this is why the behavior occurs it's because they're stuffed into an environment there that's not um conducive to their natural needs desires wants so okay so we've got that so the diet the rest um calming the mind Learning how to do that. Instead of, you know, detention, punishment in schools, we need meditation, groundedness, centeredness. We need their hearts full. They need hugs. They need love. They need someone to actually listen rather than tell them what to do. And when we listen to them, they're able to better listen to themselves and they go out into the world and they're, they can do life. Instead of looking for other authorities and other people that tell them what they should be doing next is so they're never happy that way. And, and so, um, uh, what was the next thing I was going to, so diet, the rest, the exercise, the, the stress reduction. And I don't even want to say stress reduction. I, I just want to say like, it's, it's, we have less stress actually when we create better environments for our children and ourselves to live in in our family environments and our public environments. Um, and if they don't fit our children, we don't, you know, sheave off parts of them and squeeze and medicate them and mold them into something that will fit into that environment. We allow our children to be in environments that are expansive. We, 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 we uh, take them out of the box. They don't have to be there. They don't have to be there. It's not the child that's sick. It's the environment. 100% of the time. 100% of the time. So if you're listening now, and you're saying, Oh, my God. (laughs) Now what? Now what? Like, whoa, and I I want this to be a moment of like, whoa, you know, because um, let's say your child is, and I'm going to do the ADHD example. Because it's an easy one, and it's very ADHD. Let's say learning disabilities category, okay. And you're, and you know, you may be a parent listening that your child doesn't go to school, that's and that, and, the, and there's different ways to you know adjust your environment that you live in at home um, as well. And uh, my children actually were unschooled, and and we did we did a lot. A lot. I'm going to do actually a podcast about that, but a couple of them went to high school later on because they chose to have that experience at an alternative kind of school, but uh, one of them didn't go at all. And so I'm going to talk about that. I did talk about it in An Empowered Mind in that podcast episode, so do have a listen to that. But my point here is to go through in the next few minutes, the last few minutes of this session, an example of how um, we can misinterpret a child's struggles to fit into um, an environment... A box that a, a reality, which is not reality in and of itself. It's just what we've created. Uh, I'm going to give you an example of how that can play up, play out. Okay, so we've got a child who's got ADHD, right? They've got they've got right. So you see, you hear the language. They have ADHD. They have a learning disability. It's not something that that child owns or that you can label them as. And I understand that a lot of parents, caregivers, teachers, people who are trying to, quote-unquote, manage a body of children, um, I understand the desire to want to do that because it gives us context and it gives us a reason for a certain thing or behavior, symptom, sensation, physical uh, challenge to be cropping up in their life. It gives us something to where we try to understand it and we can find support for it, okay, Yet any sort of diagnosis is really just a cluster of symptoms. So like literally, like you can't do a blood test and find anything that will say someone has ADHD or um, anxiety or a learning disability. You can see biochemical indicators as to what their body is doing, right, expressing that can contribute to this, but it's not the cause. And I'm going to do another session, I think maybe at some point about testing, but um, all right, so you have a child who's got all these different, you know, things that you're checking off the list, they can't focus, they're disruptive, they're, you know, when they get to a certain point, they're even doing things like pulling another child's hair, or you know, like yelling, or something, you know, could be to that extent, or it could just be literally like, not getting the good grades, right? Like not being able to test well, Um, you know, and then um, the parent is told or believes or, you know, takes the kid to the doctor or is assessed at school or self-assessment says, oh, this is ADHD. And so either they, you know, give the kid the label with ADHD and also the child may identify with my ADHD. This is I, I have ADHD, my ADHD. Now, again, when you can see a diagnosis such as this or a cluster of symptoms and sensations and behaviors, if you, if you unpack that and you understand that this is not the child's problem, actually, it's a problem that has been set upon them, but it's not that the child is, is sick. It's the environment. What is it? Okay. Okay. What is that child eating? So if we send them off to school or to their groups that they meet with or just to get up for the day, when they're getting ready for the day, what are they eating? It's the first question to ask. What are they eating? And actually, no, that's the second question. The first question to ask, the night before, have they gotten a good sleep? What do they do before bed? They, and what happened during that sleep? Was it fitful? Was it a good sleep? Was it was it restful? They wake rested. Do they wake with a little alarm clock, right, that disrupts that precious time? And were they allowed to sort of wake up into the day naturally when their body was ready and it was finished with its repair work? Uh, it was done cleaning out the brain. And so the morning comes. How do they wake up? Is it stressful? Is it with an alarm clock that goes, like, do they start their day with hyper stress? Is there, are there, you know, how's the situation at home in the morning? Is there lots of yelling, get up? You can't sleep in, we're going to be late. Um, Or is there time to move into the day, right? To shift from even the brainwave state, you know, into waking, to a slumber state, into a wakeful state, where they're ready to receive the inputs that they get from their environment and again what are those inputs what are they eating are they eating you know slow burn food um that will sustain them or will they eat are they eating high sugar foods full of maybe inflammatory foods you know like um some foods are inherently inflammatory are they starting out the day literally with an inflamed heart and spirit already the nervous system on the on the you know Discombobulated, or on high alert, and uh, and then are they? Where are they going? Are they going somewhere they want to be? Are they going somewhere where they just usually are? It's just kind of routine, but they don't really care. Are they passionate about their day, what they get to experience? Right in the next moment, next moment, next moment. You have to remember. We have to remember, as parents, this is their life. And our lives are not to fit into something else that we feel we always have to do. And if we do that, we need to look at it for ourselves first. And if we're trying to cram our children into it, are we doing that to ourselves? So that's a big question that is really just a, a seed planting for now, because that's going to take a bit to unravel, I think, for a lot of people. Um, that's okay cuz <laughs> sometimes somebody might be thinking like how i that you're telling me i have to change my entire life. Well, I don't know. This is your life. Do you want to? Do not want to? Um all right. So, are they going somewhere they enjoy being? Is it somewhere they can be creative and and or is it just somewhere they're being, you know, kind of housed for now, right? Until mom and dad get back or they're finished with the whatever they're supposed to be doing, you know, their school career of school you know until they're done high school like are they and this is a this is kind of like a really direct question and it's with love but not but it's with love and a kick in the ass to think about are are they feeling warehoused in a place they don't want to be and Or can't be right now, especially when you're working through something like if they're in a healing phase, if they've had something really difficult in their lives, if there's been a death, if they're going through some kind of depression, if they um, are exhibiting symptoms of pandas or pans, a lot of parents will try to keep bringing their children to school when their child is just, it's like the last thing on their list because they are so they are just trying to heal. they maybe need to be home for that, and they don't give a shit about math at this moment. I mean, math is beautiful i mean if you look if you look at the you know empowered mind um my my podcast on that, I talk about that um but there's just a time and place for certain things and a certain way to learn them, but that's that's another story, but just looking at that. Um, what is it they need? And sometimes kids need to be out with other kids. I'm not saying it's all bad. It's just being able to discern, or at all bad, discern whether they need that or something else. So are they going into their day excited to be where they're going with their needs met? Um, and so, and the next question is, is there... Um, Calm and peace, or or even excitement it doesn't have to be peaceful. It's just like uh, joy, you know. It is a sense of harmony, you know, in the family, in the morning, or throughout the day. How is that environment emotionally in the home and wherever they're you know gonna be throughout the day? Um, you can look at things like you know, healthy air, chemicals, you know, all the kind of stuff we talk about in functional medicine, mold, you know, things like that. And that's also something to consider. It's just part of the picture. It's just part of the picture. And so we get to school, or we get to a certain social situation, or we get to the family living room, or the yard where we're gonna, you know, plant the garden today, or you know, shopping store that we're we're heading out to, and whatever those activities are for the day, and we get there, and then that kiddo is acting out, and they're discombobulated, and they're disharmonious, and they're struggling, and um, we can see why, right? If we can say, "Oh, I kind of set them up for this," I, because we we parents. This is our power that we have to aid them and to give them that opportunity to have not just a good day, but a good life. And it teaches them that when they have symptoms, not to cover them up, or sensations or feelings, not to cover them up, but to say, what is this? And how can I self-regulate, move through it? Change my own environment, get out of where I am, um, or you know, do something out, that is not working that I'm that's outside of me, because I'm just adapting to this. So instead of uh, suppressing that those feelings, we become curious. Why is it that my child is not? attentive at school? Why is he or she, or why are they biting? Why are they um, having a tantrum? Why are they, you know, like not listening to the teacher or not engaging in the materials? Why are they, um, you know, fighting with their siblings or uh, not listening to me as a parent or not, you know, are upset with me as a parent? So we've got to look at the environments that they're in, as well as their, uh, how we are as parents, what are the messages we're giving them? Are we telling them that they're wrong? They're broken. Their feelings need to be medicated away that, uh, their expression is not acceptable, that they are not acceptable because they're what the messages they get, the message that they get is that they're not loved. And if not loved unconditionally, there's a condition to that love. And that's scary. And it's not true. And they get the message that they're not enough, that they are broken, that they have a condition, that you know, there's something wrong with them, and maybe it's a loving way to say it. Maybe they're lovingly being told, that's okay, though. I love you anyway, and that we can fix this. And um, But they still get the message that they need to be fixed. How about the message that there's something going on for you in your environment, in your experience? You've had a tragedy. You've had a, you're, you're facing a challenge, kiddo. And you've adapted to that. And what we want to do is help you through that process, so that you don't have to adapt to it anymore, and you're stronger. So they have their struggle, and they feel it, and they have their, you know, um, indicators to tell them something's going on, and and we adjust that, not them. <laughs> they have their own internal throttle. They have their own internal um, pharmacy. They have their own internal um, regulatory mechanisms. That all is natural. And they just need to know that that's happening, and they need our guidance to do so. All right, so I hope I didn't, I hope I went through that. I didn't have any notes for that, really. I just was sort of, something on my mind and I was waiting for my meditation to come up <laughs> on my phone. And uh, it wasn't connecting. So I thought, I'm just going to sit here and, and just make this point again. Um, because it was coming up in my mind and it's and my heart. And again, I'm going to restate that. Uh, when a, your child is exhibiting any kind of challenging um, behavior symptom, sensation. They are not broken or sick. And one more thing I wanted to say about that is that we, it's largely, and you'll hear me talk about that so many, this so many times, and I've actually given up trying to you know, just cover one topic and the next topic and say, oh, have I said this already? No, I'm just going to, if I repeat myself from 10 episodes ago, but one certain point, that's all good. (laughs) Because uh, it weaves its way through all kinds of different scenarios and thoughts. But this whole um, acknowledgement that we have a cultural um, propensity toward blindness, being deaf and blind to, um, the fact that our culture is a container in which we operate, and um, and just looking at that culture and seeing what we're taught and what we're taught to believe, and you know what the we're taught to value or not value, and when we have a really good look at that, we start to um, embrace the things that. Uh, allow us a more loving connection with self, others, and, you know, you know, the world around us, the universe even. Um, and then we start to say, you know what, this isn't serving us. I'm going to create something different when it is things that don't matter. Like if you look at it and you say, I'm shaming my child because they are disruptive in school. What matters more? Is it the teacher or administration saying, wagging a finger at you saying your kid should be medicated because they're being disruptive. Or is it the fact that that kid perhaps is not feeling hurt or they have an allergy and they can't sit still. They've been on electronics all night and, you know, we've really set them up, you know, for them to, um, to not to, to fail, I suppose, if you want to use win-lose metrics, but, set them up for, um, struggle. And so if we stop, get grounded, centered, see what that child needs, you know, instead of saying, I'm going to give you this electronic, instead of what you really need, which is my time with you or time with your friends or an alternative thing to do with your mind because you're just itching to use it, you know, uh, Yeah, those are very significant shifts in being. So let's stop trying to stuff them into a box we don't even want to be in in the first place. We don't want to be in there. And we have all the power to do that, parents. We make the decisions, even though we can think like, no, I can't. I have to do this. I have to do that. Well, then we start looking at that for ourselves. Why do we feel like we have to do that? And what could be an alternative? And I, but I think the first step is to shift the messaging that we give to ourselves, that we believe about our children and our, ourselves, and then the message that we pass on to our kids. They are not broken. Neither are you. And you can change the environment that is creating this, this, this need to adapt to in the first place. So I'm just going to end this. And my wish for you is uh, that you, your family and the people you serve be well. This podcast is sponsored by the Healthy Family Formula and Carla Atherton Inspired, which essentially means that we share our information for free. For more support, community, audio coaching, full episodes, bi-monthly, live Q&A, discounts on our group coaching programs, and more, become a patron of my work at patreon.com slash Carla Atherton. And just to keep in touch. For more information about anything related to family health and individual health empowerment, deep wellness, and your journey into it, do pick up my book, Family Health Revolution, and check out our newsletter, blog, individual and group coaching programs, and practitioner training program at CarlaAthertonInspired.com and the sister site, HealthyFamilyFormula.com. Check us out on Instagram at Coach Carla Atherton. Please note that Family Health Revolution podcast is not a source for diagnosis or medical treatment, but is the opinion of me, the host. This podcast is intended to empower people with information so they can make the best health decisions for themselves. It is up to each person to listen to their inner wisdom, consider the information they deem to be accurate and applicable to their individual situation, and consult with their trusted health care providers and support people if they so choose when making any decisions regarding their own health or the health of their loved ones. Each person's health is their own responsibility.